Podcast for this month's 3 by 3 I believe it's our favorite insects. My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here with Christian Murnowski. I am Polish Waska. And with an insect tagline, Kelly Wand, is there an insect tagline for this podcast? Yeah, I have a lot of them. I'll just thread them later when there's a lull. But for now... A fly, sir, may sting a stately horse and make him wince, but one is but an insect, and the other is a horse still. Samuel Johnson. <laughs> that's, that you're, that's a, you plagiarized that tagline. There are great <laughs> quotes about insects. <laughs> you plagiarized the tagline, and then you credit, credited the guy who wrote it. You're just, that and was terrible as plagiarism. It. Yeah. But his impression, his, his impression of Samuel Johnson was pretty good, you got to admit. That was a good one, Kelly Wand. Yeah, since we're not going to get an opsis this week, we we at least got that Samuel Johnson impression. Very well done, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I have like an important a, like que- an opsis thesis. Yes, I have, I have a question for you, Kelly Wand. I need to know what's a movie you've seen recently. Oh, um, so I was had I had a new theory about these, and it's like instead of seeing like um, an Arabian pol- a paranormal activity movie mm-hmm. that I don't even care about. Mm-hmm. I was going to see a movie that I think we've all already seen. So that way you don't have to like, Oh, spoilers. And then I'll try and find mm-hmm. something in it that we missed or don't care about. Ah, so okay. Like and that, that's an exercise you're beginning on this month's uh, this month with this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So I saw a movie way. that we've seen and then you guys can like chime in and go, that's dumb. Okay. <laughs> but I saw this movie as a youngster and I watched the movie um, Basic Instinct with Michael Douglas and Jared Stone. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this as a kid, I thought I was watching a movie about Michael Douglas. He's the competent guy from Dancing the Stone. And he's like a cop in it. It's like, oh, he has to figure out. Who, it's like, it's a mystery. Who's the killer? Is it the woman he's hot for? And then watching it now, I see he's just a fucking idiot cop who's so stupid. Like, her alibi is, oh, I'm writing a book about killing someone so I can be the murderer because I would be really dumb if I wrote a book about it. And then when he starts dating her, she's like, yeah, I'm writing a book about a hot blonde girl who kills a cop she's dating. So he starts dating her. Yeah, what I remember, and I could correct me if I'm wrong on this, it's a femme fatale movie where he's the dupe, right? Yeah, and it's the... She's not the dupe. He's the dupe. No, that's what I said, where he's the dupe. Oh, he's the dupe. And she's yeah, the yeah, femme yeah. fatale. Right, okay. Right. It's body heat, but with way more... It's The NC-17 version's kind of good. It's kind of rapier. Is it Aiden Lynn? Tri- no, it's... Uh, oh, how could you forget this? It's Paul Verhoeven. Right, Boom, right. right. Total okay. Recall. He, he discovers Sharon Stone in Total Recall and then goes, Hey, I got it. This girl's fucking hot. I know what I'll make. <laughs> Dingus, what do you remember about Basic Instinct? Um... Did you say it's it's Ira Levine? Is that who it is? No, it's uh, Joe Esterhaus. <laughs> no, no, the the book writer. Is it based on a book? No, I don't think so. It, it definitely sounds like a Joe Esterhaus script. Like I, maybe, I don't think. Yeah, he wrote it in ten days. So maybe I'm thinking of. Right. You're thinking of Rosemary's Baby, Dingus. I'm thinking of Joe Esterhaus doesn't adapt things. <laughs> That's way too advanced for him. He just um, writes stuff like this. Well, what I remember yeah, about yeah. it 
is that it felt like a movie that had been been written around the idea that this guy had that you know an ice pick would be a really cool weapon. What oh, is I that? Up? I, I vaguely remember. So that's the like murder. That's the gr- gruesome murder scenario that someone gets killed with an ice pick while she's it, fucking you. So yeah. it's kind of a mixed. Ble- she ties you up while she's having sex with you. Wait, who does? Sharon Stone. Well, there's no mystery. Well, what? I, that's okay. Then what? And she's chipping this huge block of ice that she has on the bar, and she talks about um, how she prefers it this way because she likes the shards that come off of the ice block. Well, what is their mystery then? If we know, is this something we find out at the end of the movie? Is she a killer? Yeah. He, then Michael Douglas is in bed with her, and then you pan down to an ice pick under the bed, and the music's all, dun, dun, like, oh my god, right? no way, what? I'm, I'm, you, I'm in suspense, what's going to happen, right? So well, it's a less, less yeah. subtle sea of love. And she's bisexual, she's like a lesbian girlfriend who tries to run over Michael Douglas, and Gene Triplehorn. Yeah, I was going to say Gene Triplehorn. Right. Yeah, and in the NC-17 version, he rapes her, uh, and then she gets mad at him because she's all, you're thinking about Sharon while you're raping me, and then she gets upset and leaves. And it's like, it's like it looks like a feminist movie, but it's totally male gaze like Joe Esterhaus, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> It's great. It's a laugh riot. I highly recommend. Re-watching. I mean, the thing is, the the movies that we it's had, really the movies that we had back then that were supposed to empower women were kind of crappy at it. Oh yeah, no, and especially the like showgirls. Yeah, too, exactly. So. Like guy, like <laughs> horny old men's idea of what girls talk about. Right, right. Which yeah. makes them, in my opinion, fucking hysterical. They're really, really funny. Right, right. And this one's great. And the only thing that sucks about basically is it kind of peaks early because there's that one scene where they're interrogating her and you see her. She slapped uh, Carl Borhoven's face for showing, like famous iconic shot. But then there's nothing good in the rest of the as good as that it's right. kind of like michael douglas and michael douglas is your center so he's in every scene but the introduction to his character which i didn't remember this is my new insight thing this is all everything i've said till now we could just come up with on our own but i didn't remember this at the beginning the introduction is character he comes into a murder scene where uh the guy sharon stone stabbed during sex last time is and the introduction is character he comes in there's like shitloads of cops everywhere like taking fingerprints and stuff and he goes over He's actually off screen, and they're like, so did you talk to the – and then suddenly this rock music starts blaring. It's because he <laughs> turned on the stereo. He's all, oh, sorry. <laughs> all, oh. I couldn't figure out the dialogue for this part. Yeah. And uh, so he's supposed to have shot someone, and IA doesn't like him. They're like, he li- he tricked the lie detector, and that's why he likes Sharon Stone because she also tricks the lie uh, detector. So like, uh, they're both liars. You're, you're right about that sort of – what would you say, male gaze? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, style. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Esther has does something similar, um, or maybe it was Philip Noyce's idea, who I think directed Sliver. Um, do you remember that movie? Is that the one where she's in the apartment and the Baldwin's spying on her? Yeah. And she's wearing a beret at the beginning? Yeah, it's uh, not as hot as Basic Instinct, but I do like it. But yeah, no, no it's super male. Yeah, all her movies are. Well, there, there's the this... There's this thing I remember reading an interview with her. She's in, really good at it. <laughs> from in Premiere Movie Magazine when I used to get that. Yeah, I remember it, that too. Um, Interesting. And she was talking about a scene where she's supposed to be in the bathtub uh, masturbating, and he wanted to have her have a bunch of pictures of men up on the wall 
that she was looking at, and she's like, that's yeah. not how women masturbate. <laughs> right. They don't need... Yeah, they're kind of more advanced than us. Yeah, that's what but, she was saying. I just used my imagination. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. What? That's oh, that's so good. See? She's so carnal. We don't have a modern Sharon Stone, except for Kristen Stewart, obviously. But... <laughs> There's like no like oh it's a Sharon Stone movie like that level of uh, I know why I'm gonna watch that like those don't exist anymore do they? Uh, I think Gina Carano is our new Sharon Stone. <laughs> this car is not a good choice. Uh, I just want everyone to keep in mind she's in uh, the Mandalorian, which is the new Star Wars series. Sharon Stone? No, Gina Carano. And I just want everyone to keep in mind the expression on her face, which is always like she's trying to remember your name. Just remember that when you're watching The Mandalorian, or even the trailer for The Mandalorian, the one Gina Carano shot. It's like she's trying to remember what your name is. That's the that's the one expression that she has. It's kind of adorable. Is that already on? No, no but we just had a, a, a Comic-Con trailer. or something. Disney just unveiled a bunch of stuff, and there was a trailer for Mandalorian. Yeah. And she's in it? She's in it, and the what Werner Herzog is the villain. It looks like, which is like oh, kind that's of inspired. The first, now you're making me want to watch it. Right, right, yeah. So is it all right. Boba Fett? All right, let's. Yeah, yeah, it's Boba. Well, I actually I don't know if it's Boba Fett or some generic Boba Fett alike. But here's another thing too. Uh, Pedro Pascal, who I I love that guy. Dingus and I saw him recently in a movie called uh, The Prospect. Uh, I think he's the Mandalorian, but I, in the trailer he just has the helmet on the whole time you never right, see a glimpse it's mandalorian armor so right exactly but i guess he takes it off his hat from time to time and maybe you see his face i don't know we'll find out when you take it off he looks boring pedro pascal how dare you how dare you no boba how fett dare you? he never oh. looks cool and oh, all the what? clones look like boba <laughs> oh god dad? we're talking about star wars quick dingus i know what did what you star wars what did you watch this week or recently that's not star wars all right, I'm going to give you a quote from it. You're ugly what? Did, how did you graduate sixth grade? Shocking to me. And then she corrects the grammar on the bathroom wall. Oh, wait. Is okay. it book smart? It is book smart, yes. Finally. Jeez, right. it took him long enough, Kelly Wand. Uh, <laughs> isn't it awesome? Uh, it's actually quite beautiful. Um, I really, really loved it. Uh I really – at first I was a little confused when we got to the doll scene, but then I just – it really – I really started to love that scene so much. <laughs> and then when they're going out the door, and the guy's like, who are they supposed to be? And she's like, fuck you, George. <laughs> I love that moment. Who are they supposed to be? That's good. Who's the mom again? Kudrow? Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, Lisa Kudrow. Um and the, the, there are a couple things, and I know Tom has probably mentioned this before, or uh, you've seen it, right, Kelly? Yeah, I love it. Okay. It's an important um, movie. And I think you said this, and I commented on it as far as Superbad is concerned. I, I love that little moment where they, where they take hands, and the camera's right behind their hands, and you hear them go, I love you, I love you. And uh. it's just very simple, but it's, it's very sincere, and it's... A whole different feel than the uh, than Superbad when they tell each other they love them, um, and this just feels more sincere. Uh, and it's raunchy. More chill. And, yeah, <laughs> and as raunchy and weird as it gets, I really really liked that. Um, I, and I like uh, 
I don't know. I like the whole thing. I just thought it was really cool. My favorite I, thing they did is when they would put on clothes and go, ah. like, no, you are a sparkling star. Like, they just compliment each other. No, like you. Yeah. yeah, no, you are. And I even liked um, half sausage, two half sausage, half pepperoni. That's one. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's uh, one half sausage, one half cheese. No, two half sausage, two half cheese. That's one sausage and one cheese, you morons. That joke's got everything you like in it. Food, math. Yeah. <laughs> smart girls. Do you like Sudeikis' character? Did you get the Cardi B joke? Yeah. All right, good work. Is, the, is that Cardi B? Yeah. I, did, I didn't know you could do it from that angle. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I loved that reveal where he turns around to talk to them and 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 they're all like, "Oh, really, uh, Lord? What do you think of that character falling who? off the boat?" Uh, the she's the, the blonde uh, best friend who keeps showing up in different places. The, the actress who's like wacky. super committed to being weird and wacky and yeah. Uh, oh yeah, she's the Kate McKinnon of books yeah, America. yeah. We've talked yeah. about her before. K- uh, Kelly Wand said she was Scream Queens. What was she from, Kelly Wand? She's a, she was an American Horror Story. American Horror Story, right? The other right sister. Well, I I think that gag goes on just long enough, uh, and I liked I liked the way that um, it's Olivia Wilde, right? Yeah, I, directing I com- debut. I confuse her and Olivia Munn for some reason, but it's <sighs> Olivia Wilde, um, and I like. Was a lesbian on the OC? The other one's Olivia Munn. <laughs> uh, I just like that. She doesn't overdo that joke. So I, I actually quite liked um, Booksmart. Uh, like Riley? <laughs> who's Riley? Did you like when they're fighting and the, and the sound goes out in their fight and everyone's filming them with their phones? I like that too. Yeah. Riley I, was the girl, the uh, the Ellen Page one liked. And then she hooks up with the one the other girl likes. The guy. Dumb guy. Oh, okay. Honor. The tatted up skateboard chick. Yeah. Her name was Ryan in the her character oh. name. Um, I'm thinking of a girl from Scream. Sorry. And I kept getting confused when they would say, you like Ryan? Because I would, like, Nick didn't register for me at all. I think that was his name. And then she's like, because of the way the camera was cut, it looked like she was looking over at Nick, but she was really looking over at Ryan. But they're both boy names. <laughs> and so it was a little confusing when... Uh, the, when she kept going, well, hope we see Ryan there. And my brain kept thinking, why would she want to see Ryan? Uh, I wish they would have chosen a different name, but whatever. Um, I, I, I really liked it. Uh, um, and I, I loved the teacher. I thought she was really funny. Uh, I, that guy, that Mexican guy with the long hair was really weird. Um, yeah, you'll have were... to see the severed penis. What's that severed penis movie, Kelly Wand? The package. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's one. the lead in that. Yeah. Oh boy. Or a lead a, in that. Yeah. A girl I talked to didn't like. She was like, "Yeah, I liked it," and she kind of hesitated and she went. But the ending was too wish fulfillment. I went, "Yeah, I guess." Just think of that comment. I mean, it's a redempt. It's a comedy. I mean, it's 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 kind of the graduation for those, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, get out. Never mind. The, <laughs> the, the, the soundtrack is really, really cool, I think. Yeah. And a lot of songs that I didn't recognize. And what's cool about that particular moment for me is that um, she says, 
it's only a year. It'll go by fast. And then the song is saying, time moves so slow. And I really liked that sort of weird juxtaposition. Anyway, Tom, it's your turn. All right. Well, I saw a movie that none of us has seen. So I'm bringing you all something new. Uh, Actually, I I saw two things, one of which I briefly want to mention. Uh, Maybe last month, month before, I watched a movie I didn't care for called Hotel Mumbai, but I really liked the actor Dev Patel in it. Uh, I just thought he was just tremendous and just really soulful and way better than the material. And I was really eager to see him in Michael Winterbottom's most recent movie called The Wedding Guest, which I watched and really liked. Um, and it's, it's just it's basically about how sexy Dev Patel is, and it pairs him with an Indian actress who I think is really big in India. I'd never heard of her before, uh, named Radhika Apte. Uh, and it's just a thriller about how sexy they are, how sexy they are together, and in classic Michael Winterbottom form, it segues into a sad tragedy. Uh, So I really liked Wedding Guest, and I'm a huge Dev Patel fan, but that's not the new movie I want to tell you guys about. That's just something I was looking forward to seeing. I mentioned it previously. There's your update. Here's the movie I want to tell you about. Unfortunately, it's got a lousy title. Um, We all like Casey Affleck. Uh, He has written and directed something, that is basically uh, The Road, the the Cormac McCarthy novel, um, about a a father and son uh, struggling to survive after an apocalypse. And it is called, and I can only assume this was a working title that they never got around to replacing, it is called Light of My Life. (laughs) Why? I don't know, and there's never a reference to it. There's not a song. He never says that to his son. I don't. I don't know why it's called that. It just, it's just really it on the nose. Ironic. And it's it's not ironic at all. And it's also definitely not indicative of the level of writing in this this movie. Which I don't. Has Casey Affleck written and directed before? I meant to look this up. Do you guys know? I think he has, <sighs> but I don't. I wouldn't be able to tell you what he did. Well, he Cherry that movie where they wander in the sand. That's Gus Van Sant, though. He might have written it for Gus Van Sant. Um, well, the thing about the, the striking thing about Light of My Life, I didn't, uh, is that he definitely is. There's a lot of, of course, he's got a lot of confidence as an actor, but he also has a lot of confidence as a as a director. And the writing is basically just him trusting the relationship with the boy who plays his son, uh, and they're just long scenes of talking. Uh, it reminds me a lot also of Leave No Trace, in that it's about forming a family outside the trappings of civilization um because this uh this unique uh there's a kind of a a very specific interesting kind of apocalypse in this movie that i don't want to mention because it only emerges over time but it ends up being a fundamental factor in the father-son relationship in this movie uh so uh but what what the movie involves is this father and son traveling and being reluctant to be around other people uh, for very specific reasons. Uh, so, like, that reminds me of Leave No Trace. Uh, it also reminds me a lot of a movie called It Comes at Night, in that it is a movie about how uh, loving someone can be mutually exclusive with trusting strangers, uh, and how that's that's a kind of a fundamental tension, is how much do you care about your family versus the world at large. Uh, all of these ingredients are in what what is ultimately a very simple very actor-centric apocalypse movie uh, 
called Light of My Life, which I just thought was tremendous, mainly because Casey Affleck and this little boy are so good. Uh, it also has... Uh, do you guys remember in Assassination of Jesse James, the gunfights, like the, the violent parts when someone would get shot? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Do you, because it, it was it was like sudden and clumsy, and it, feel, yeah. it felt very uncomfortable for everyone involved. Like, it, it was just really... Like oh god we've sh- somebody shot and it's now really hurt and I feel bad and it, it would it happen was, by accident or like and and, and also the, the, nobody was aiming correctly it was I just know. so clumsy right uh, what's what's the name of the guy who steps out of the closet or whatever the guy who had the chili dog in his pants Paul Schneider Paul Schneider because doesn't he get in a gunfight upstairs and they just sort of shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot exactly exactly and that, and that's uh and that's an example like the the violence in assassination of Jesse James is is unique uh and the violence in light of my life it reminded me of assassination of Jesse James not for the presentation of the violence but how for how it felt unique it didn't seem like normal movie violence uh and again not exactly like assassination of jesse james but it just reminded me of watching that movie and thinking whoa this isn't what gunfight should be like it was the same with the violent moments in uh, light of my life is i it's not the way you normally see it in movies and, and i really liked it uh so uh there you go uh light of my life D- don't read anything into the title and for pete's sake too by the way Oh, trailers. Don't watch the trailer because there are some things that I am purposefully not mentioning that the trailer completely blows, and the discovery of these things are a significant part of the movie and its unfolding and the relationships and the world building. So forget the trailer. Trust me, uh, it's a solid apocalypse movie with a couple of unique angles and a lovely father-son relationship. So there you go. Would it have been better with uh, Cody Smith-McPhee in it? Oh, that kid is so good. Oh, you know what? Asa Butterfield. It really needs Asa Butterfield. That kid is so good. Or uh, Kellen Lutz. He's a a little too old. Oh, it's the dad, right. Kellen Lutz and Asa Butterfield. He has an innocence. Right. (laughs) When he gets out of water, they ask for seven. And neither of you have heard of this, right? Did did either of you guys know that Casey Affleck was doing an apocalypse movie? No. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm burned out on that genre, unless it's found footage. The stupidest genre. Yeah, this is not found footage. Are there found footage apocalypse movies? No. There is actually a found footage apocalypse movie that's a – it actually turns out – the remarkable thing, it turns out not to be Christian, but it's about a Christian uh, apocalypse, like with the rapture and the the angels pouring out. It might be called – oh, shoot. It begins at a wedding. Like there's these dudes doing it's, it's – again, it's like wedding photography, and then the Christian apocalypse happens – Shoot, I forget what it's called. Just Google so Christian Apocalypse. So the priest Apocalypse. is stoked at the wedding, the guy doing this. Uh, he, like, I, think, I think a meteor falls on him or something. I don't remember. Dude, over time. What? <laughs> is he a bad priest or I don't, actually, I don't. I don't recall. Uh, you'll have to check that out on your own and catch me up on that. Did you watch the whole movie? Oh, good lord. Yeah, it's old is the thing. That's why I don't, I don't uh, remember a lot of it. Is it, yeah. is it Rap Chirpalooza? That's not the name the of it. No, guys? it's it's got a it's a very serious name in earnest. The kids who shot, I say kids. The twenty somethings who directed and Dave. shot. Yeah. Dave. What? Well, the day of reckoning. I was trying to remember what the apocalypse is called. That so might apocalypse. be. It's a name like that, but it's definitely uh, in earnest. Take the word back. Here's the thing. As far as found footage movies go, you could do a lot worse. I remember when I saw that there was a Bruce Willis movie coming out called Armageddon, being really excited and then totally devastated 
when I found out it was about a fucking asteroid. Like, oh, I thought it was going to be Armageddon, man. Yeah, but then you saw it, and it was so awesome, right? No, I think that's the that's what ruined, <laughs> I think, the movie for me, and why you like it more than I do, is I went in going, man, this isn't about a real You thought it was going to be like Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which also, yeah, well, it was. That's actually a much gutter and better analogy. Right. I was gibbering about it. The Sixth Day. Tell us what this month's 3x3 three three is. Uh, oh, no. And uh, what, yeah, what are we, what are we going to talk about now? Hooray for dingus! We are going to talk about your favorite insects in movies. What right. about worms? It's an annelid, not an insect. So Sorry. I'll be going first because I'll be introducing uh, next month's three by three. Uh, I actually don't have I I'm not into in, I don't like insects so I had a hard time coming up with what? favorites. I finally did. These are three insects I actually like all of these uh, and I don't like and like. Okay, I'm going to cuss for a minute. There are two kinds of insects in the world. There are bugs, and those are insects that are outdoors. Any insect that gets indoors, this is the technical name for it, so I apologize if it sounds like I'm cussing. The technical name for a, 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 an insect that's indoors is a fucker bug. A bug that's outside, a bug. A bug that's gotten into your house where it doesn't belong, a fucker bug. So these bugs are bugs that I actually like, and I don't like bugs, so this is quite an accomplishment fucker bugs. Yeah. Uh, my number three favorite insect in a movie is... You like bees? Well, that's... Okay. Is I, And I didn't know if I needed one specific insect or a bunch of them, but my number three is near the end of a movie, which I just mentioned, called Leave No Trace. Uh, the girl Tom, uh, played by Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie, uh, happens upon a woman tending a beehive. And the woman and, – and Deborah Granick shot the movie very improvisational, in very improvisational style. Uh, it's, it's very like fly on the wall. You're just watching people a lot of the time. So uh, the woman says, hey, have you ever seen where bees live? Come on over and look at this. And Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie goes over there, and the woman puts her in a bee outfit and then opens up this lovely beehive, and the bees come out. If I have to pick one insect, it's going to be the first bee that enters the frame. Otherwise, all these bees as a whole are my favorite – amongst my favorite insects because what happens later – and I'm going to make it sound a, a lot more on the nose than Deborah Granick shoots it. Uh, what happens later is that Tom brings her father, played by Ben Foster, over to see the bees. She's like, hey, I want to show you something. Come see these bees. And he puts on the, the, the beekeeper outfit. Uh, I think they're actually both wearing it. And they, she shows him the bees. And he is a little taken aback by it. He doesn't quite know what to make of it. She actually says something that has never occurred to me that I thought is an awesome detail. She says, if you hold your hand over the beehive, it's warm. Like you can feel the warmth coming from it. Um, and then she takes her gloves off and she lets the bees crawl around on her hand. Uh, and she even has some little bee details that she gives, like a little bee science. Bee, yeah. Uh, and and that's the end of the scene. But what I love about the scene is it's kind of a metaphor for what these two characters are going through with the bees, as bees are apt to do, representing uh, a society uh, in that uh, ben Foster feels removed. He's not quite sure what to make of it, and she is eager to experience it, to touch it, to, to, to feel it on her skin. Uh, and just if you represent – if the bees represent humanity, Ben Foster – like her relationship and Ben Foster's relationship to the bees is kind of a microcosm of how they're reacting to being around other people. So my third favorite insect is the first bee that enters the frame in uh, Leave No Trace. 
I for you said that the beehive was warm. Well, she says that uh, she holds her hands over it and she says, "Feel, it's warm." Uh, you can, and he even wearing gloves, like apparently feel the heat coming off of a beehive, which never occurred to me. But They're could hot. you could you cook a mushroom on it? It should cook a mushroom. <laughs> Mushrooms and honey. <laughs> All right, you Kelly Wan. What is your third favorite insect in a movie? They're better than us. That's the problem with that analogy. Is the bees are cooler. Uh, my number three favorite insect. But I don't in a like movie. bees, by the way, because they sting you. I don't. I don't want a bee around me, and I certainly don't want one in the house. So, to answer your question previously, Kelly Wand. All right. I agree go. with the second one, but I don't think they'll sting you. Just don't be dumb. I've. I well, you. You don't step. I've stepped on bees, and they sting you. You've stepped on a bee. Yes, and it stung me, and I didn't like it. It was a joke. I didn't blame that. Yeah, but whose fault? Who's, <laughs> well, the bee shouldn't have been standing where I was going to walk. Dumbass? No, that, they have stingers, like, at least we won't get walked on. Oh, here comes one dumbass. <laughs> All right, got to teach him. Interesting. Well, okay, so that's a good reason to not like bees, though, because I haven't been stung. All right, well, maybe you'll get your turn. made clear there. What about Mila Kunis, where she's queen of the bees in Jupiter Sunday? I haven't seen that movie. <sighs> that's true. My number three favorite insect, fee free list, is in the motion picture Caveman, <laughs> directed by Carl Gottlieb, the man who made Jaws funny. And uh, he wrote Ringo's, Jaws, right? Uh, yeah, he yeah. was brought in to punch it up. Okay. So he wrote the funny parts. <laughs> so Caveman, um. Ringo Starr and Dennis Quaid. It's like their first night out together. They're they're bros, and they're about to go to sleep. Dennis Quaid's all. Dennis Quaid's name is Law. Ringo Starr's name. But Law goes, Ooh! and he has like a giant bug on his face. I think it's a fly, and it's like sitting right on his nose, and it covers his whole face because it's prehistoric. And then Ringo Starr like just takes his hand and like it on Quaid's face and so all the guts and shit come out of his face and he cheerfully turns over all right good night Quaid sobs so that's my number three. Oh, and your but your uh, your favorite bug got killed that's sad that was yeah, your third was, favorite bug all right well he was being a fucker bug by your standards right right he didn't have to land on a law's face they exactly have to learn man Besides, as long as bugs big. respect their place in regard to humanity which is not around us I'm okay with them yeah also when, as a prop Maybe that's the theme of mine. Is like you, they had to make the inside of that bug too. So I kind of like that work level. Oh, like bug gut, like bug gut special effects, right? That was more work than putting Barbara Bach in mud. Ding <laughs> <laughs> uh, is your third favorite bug and insect in a movie. All right, here's a quote from it. Hammonds, like me, he's a digger. This is from uh, one of the Pixar DreamWorks ants or bugs life movies. No, it's huh? from a little movie called Jurassic Park. Um, <sighs> and the bug is the mosquito that's trapped in amber. That is the, basically the whole reason for the movie. It's, it's sort of, uh, it was a theory at the time. And I remember reading an article about it before I went to the movie because I was highly anticipating the movie. Um, and Michael Crichton just took this uh, theory that was going around, not only that dinosaurs um, eventually became birds, not lizards, uh, but that 
uh, they could be cloned if you did this particular thing because mosquitoes would alight onto a dinosaur, suck their blood, and then the blood would be in their abdomen, and then they'd be covered in amber and basically be in a, a state of uh, stasis. Not really stasis because they're dead, but just suspended animation. Um, and uh, then a scientist could go in and extract the blood, and that's how they did all of the cloning, using this one using an insect or insects that they found um, buried in the ground. That so were the cloned. exposition. No, it yeah. <laughs> that's I like Dingus's initial response was to deny that, and then he realized, oh yes, that is the yeah. exposition. Because <laughs> I was thinking, I was also thinking of the animated part with the silly insect flying around, but that's basically just more exposition. Um, so yeah, pretty much. And he's got it in a cane handle, Dingus. You're not mentioning the coolest part. Yeah, <laughs> that's so dumb. <laughs> Even you break your own topics. The idea is not the thing. If it's taunt, it's not that the taunt is like an important part of the movie. It's like whether the taunt's good or not. Don't you understand? Right. <laughs> Here's a living insect that's my second favorite in a movie. Uh, and I have to say, this movie does not hold up. I kind of wished I hadn't watched it because when I was a kid, and was, especially when I was like a teenager to the stoner watching this movie, it was like mind-blowing and awesome and just at a whole other level. It's not. It's kind of clumsy. Uh, Saul Bass is famous for doing title sequences. And he's not famous for having directed a movie called Phase 4 about uh, about uh, intelligent a ants. Like an alien. something happens in space and it makes ants intelligent. That's and Phase 4? No, that's Phase 1. And actually oh, that's okay. – yeah. Have you not seen this movie, Kelly Wand? I'm getting mixed up with the one where there's an apocalypse in Brazil and they uh, have guns. In that's se that's yeah. seven, and it's Argentina, I think. Okay, seven. All right. Yeah. So I got it. the word, the number, and the country wrong. There weren't ants in that movie. Oh, I see phase. Oh, right, right. I see what you're saying. Even now. I've seen phase four. Come on. I know. Yeah, Kelly Wan. I'm I I just read Day of the Locust. I it's have a, a stoner movie too. To... Like you would you would think you would have seen it. What year oh. is it? Seventy. One seventy four, seven six seventy three, something early seventies. I'll say. I'm making this up. I'm I think not this sure. This is least favorite era of movies, right? Yeah. Uh, and it definitely and is, is. It's a lot of insect <laughs> photography. There's a ton right, of like the swarm stock footage. Yeah. No, no, it's not stock footage. It's a thing. Is there? Yeah. There's actually a separate credit for the guy who does the directs the insect sequences, which I think are probably the bulk of the movie, because there's just a lot of footage, and some of it's really cool of the ants doing stuff. Um, and it's it's not just watching an ant move. Like a lot of it is developing the plot, like early on in the movie to fight the ants. So these killer ants have taken over a part of the desert, and these scientists move in. It feels very Michael Crichton, like Andromeda Strain or something. These scientists move in and set up a little geodesic dome in the middle of the desert where the ants have broken out to study them. And the ants are wise to this and start laying siege to them. And one of the things that the ants do is create these little ant hills with a glassy surface that bounces the sunlight directly onto the geodesic dome to heat it up. Because uh, these guys, by the way, they can't come out because like, the ants Geniuses. will kill people. The ants will swarm people. They'll kill horses. They've killed livestock. Uh, they're, and they're starting to, to cooperate, which is why these scientists are out oh, there studying no. them. Um, One ant's not a big threat. 
Exactly. So it's ants versus two scientists in a geodesic dome, one of whom is played by the absolutely insipid Michael Murphy. Like this guy, <laughs> he's, uh, he's supposed to be like the leading man. And then the other guy is like a British scientist guy who I remember thinking, yeah, that guy's really cool. But he's kind of not. Like, they don't give him much to do. He's just got a beard Get and a Get Lori to the dome! Now! <laughs> uh, so so they, they fight these ants, and there's a lot of ant photography. But my favorite insect in this movie, and this is actually a really remarkable sequence, um, because the ants are trying to overheat the geodesic dome, that's how they're fighting the, the, the humans, uh, the humans are running the air conditioning, of course. And <laughs> you'd think, okay... Game, set, match. The humans have won this round. But the ants crawl into the air conditioning, and they pick a fight with a praying mantis, and then drop the praying mantis onto some sort of a heating coil that shorts out the air conditioning. But the remarkable part in this movie, and it's a couple of scenes, it's fairly brief. That sounds remarkable. In my memory, it was a lot longer. The remarkable part about this is there's actually choreography between a praying mantis and ants fighting each other. And it's it's like photography. It's like nature photography. And it's not – it's no animation, no special effects. They actually got this praying mantis to stalk an ant and then pounce on it and another ant to jump on the praying mantis's leg and the praying mantis gets shook loose. Like there's – and you even see like the praying mantis. Like you can sort of see him regarding the ant and kind of tilting his head. Praying mantises are beautiful creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so – my favorite, even though he doesn't last very long, uh, and even though he becomes an instrument in the human's demise, because, spoiler, the ants win, uh, I really like this praying mantis, and I really like the way that he's used. and Like, he's choreographed in this brief fight sequence with ants. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Nobody's seen this movie but me and Dingus. Dingus, do you remember this praying mantis? Uh, yes, I do. I also remember there being a lot of purple in the color scheme but i don't know if that's true no not really there's uh okay there's a one of the things they do and this is where the ants are used for the storytelling is once the ants start heating up the geodesic dome the the british bearded scientist is like all right we're gonna give them uh give them the yellow and then it shows footage of yellow stuff spewing out of the geodesic (laughs) dome which is like poison for the ants it's it's a different they're using different strains of poison to kill the ants because the ants then – it then shows the ants dragging – it shows a bunch of them being killed by the yellow, and then it shows other ants dragging little bits of yellow to a queen who then eats it and lays yellow ant eggs that hatches yellow ants. Oh, that's good. It's really good, and it's, it's, it's all in this beautiful Some ant photography out. to show that this is how the ants adapt to these poisons. Uh, and then later on, it's revealed they could use blue. Like they've got all of these poisons in reserve, even though even though they know the ants will eventually adapt to it. But it's part of the storytelling done with these long shots of ants walking around. Uh, I like that. That's how they're naming poisons. They they do it, th- this movie is one of the things about this movie. It's really short on scientific gobbledygook. Like they do yeah. just call it yellow. Let's use yellow on it. Yeah, there's no, and I think it could have used like a more. A three-year-old wrote the script. Exactly, and I think it could have used more so that we presumably think that Michael Murphy and this British guy are smart because they say vague things that don't really make much sense, right. and then randomly say, "Aha!" I've pin-. Like 
it, it That's really 1970 needs... sinus characters. Like, exactly. Well, they, dumbass too. they needed to bring in uh, Robert Wise from Andromeda Strain to punch up the script. Like, because Andromeda Strain is really great with the science gobbledygook. gobbledygook. Like, it's solid. It, it feels great. Like, it feels like you're watching really cool, smart scientists do science. Uh, in phase I don't know. Four. I kind of like that they name their poisons yellow and blue. Like, maybe they're in a whole other level of don't understand well i feel like it's the shorthand for some elaborate chemical but we never hear the elaborate chemical name is it in black and white no 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 it's lovely it's a lovely color a lot of it looks like freaky 70s album covers too yeah and it's it, used yellow on the end i mean it's saul bass kelly wand like saul bass title sequences are famously colorful like the guy knows how to make a pretty movie it's just kind of a clunky it's it's sort of high-end science fiction that doesn't quite live up to itself so i prefer rankin bass uh all right, well, Kelly Wand, in that case, what's an example of an insect movie that's closer to Rankin-Bass that's your second favorite? My number two is the typewriter bug from Naked Lunch. <laughs> you remember what I'm talking about? You're, you're, you and David Cronenberg. Go ahead. Tell us how much you love uh, David Cronenberg. Dude, <laughs> I watch Videodrome again. I still – I think you're crazy. Ugh. I don't understand what you don't like about it. It's sophomoric. It's, it's – it, yeah, it's, it's just sophomoric. It's ridiculous. No. What? It's, it's awkward. Yeah. He's he's an assassin. <laughs> Nikki Brand. Do you remember that character? Debbie Harry's character? Of course. No, because I'm a big proponent of, of Blondie in the Blondie versus the police uh, war. Dingus is pro-police. I'm pro-Blondie. Therefore, anything with Deborah Harry, she's in some stupid horror anthology where she plays a witch. Who's in the like uh, the connective tissue of the horror? Oh yeah, tales from the dark side. Exactly right. So I'm definitely well, pro Christian Deborah Slayer. Harry in anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's and the, the only redeem- and that's the thing is even even she can't save Videodrome from being uh, dopey. Do you remember the villain's name? I don't. What is it? Barry Convex, because he makes eyeglasses for the military. There you go. <laughs> I rest evil. my case. Thanks, David Cronenberg. Nice work. <laughs> There's a shot where uh, James Woods uses his powers to explode a wall, and then he walks out through this jagged wall, and they cut to the exterior, and there's a huge jagged hole in the wall, and he was walking out of it, and the pedestrians are, like, walking nearby. <laughs> He's just, like, killed killed the other cable TV. I'm so dumb. Not sophomoric. Wrong word. Anyway, Naked okay. Lunch, though? Yeah, so how did, I haven't seen Naked Lunch since it was in theaters. Would that bring me around on David Cronenberg? Uh, probably not. Well, did you? What did you think of Naked Lunch, the book? <laughs> I don't like a lot of Edgar Burroughs. Like I, Edgar, I, that whole heroine. That's William S. Burroughs. William S. Burroughs, Edgar right? Ice Edgar's is, the uh, Tarzan. Exactly. Uh, neither of them. I'm not into either of them for what it's worth. I like both of them. <laughs> but um, he, like in the movie, I think Judy Davis is his wife, and William Burroughs like accidentally murdered his wife with a gun or shot her. And in the in the movie. They're playing William Tell. It's like a game they like to play, and he just misses and shoots her head. So then he has to move to Mexico. Is that how William Burroughs actually killed his wife? Like, is that a thing that happened? Yeah. He said he he felt bad about it. Not really. But then... um, Well, I mean, I do like the idea, because this is where David Cronenberg will segue into more, I think, realistic material like Dead Ringers and Eastern Promises. So I do like the idea of him taking... Exactly. I do like the idea of him transitioning from his sophomoric goo to uh, his more reality-based stuff, which I really like. History of Violence. Yeah, yeah. History of Violence is great. Yeah, yeah. Which also, again, that's something he adapted. He didn't write that. So I I think once he stops writing his own dopey material about, uh, about... 
organ guns and bug typewriters. Actually, yeah. But I still don't. The way breathing, you're saying a those breathing words television today, screen, Kelly Wand, a breathing television screen. How cool is that? Freaky, right? Fucking great. <laughs> there was some other. Um, that was like James Woods's ending too. There was some other ending where I don't know. Like he was like saying how the, all these other things they were gonna they had to cut for money. There's gonna be like a huge hell chamber. I don't know. It sounded more like Hellraiser, full of TV screens, right. like breathing bottom and shit. Right. All right. Like uh, after hours in the womb. <sighs> All right. So oh, uh, lunch. the Light bug typewriter from from Naked Lunch, your second favorite bug. Dingus, is that it's is that shit. allowed? Are you going to allow like science fiction trippy David Cronenberg bugs? Sure. All right. It's All right. So Dingus, what is the second? And he's an exterminator. Favorite? Like he's he's stoned on bug powder for the whole. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. Right. So it's thematic. It makes sense. Yeah. Dingus, what is your second favorite bug? Uh, all right, my second favorite bug, I uh, will do a quote from it. They they look like they've been cleaned or polished. Something. Creep show. No. No. Um, this is Paul Winfield. He says this um, before he asks, are these armored, plated, killer cockroaches? Damnation Alley? Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, oh, God, I thought you were going to do uh, Mimic. <laughs> Good work, no. Dingus. Proud of you. Um, I really like this because Tom insisted for a while that the cockroaches in it were giant. It's the scorpions that are giant. It's the scorpions. And the scorpions look so goofy. Yeah. And, and he, you know, Jan Michael Vincent is driving his motorcycle all around them over and over and over and over and over again. And then he pushes this girl off the back and she just lands in the sand and doesn't do anything. And Paul Winfield gets super angry at him. He's like up on the watchtower with his sniper rifle and he, he doesn't know quite what to do. And he has this line where, when Jan Michael Vincent finally comes driving up and says, I can't believe you did that. You son of a, Oh. And he just shoots the sand in front of the motorcycle. Um, and then uh, Jim Michael Vincent says something like, um, come on, there's nothing you can do for her now. And then the camera does this quick zoom in to show it's a mannequin. Uh, but I love the cockroach scene because they look real. And the idea, I mean, <laughs> they are real. Your standards they, are low by that point. They did actual cockroach wrangling. Oh, they did? Yeah. Well, you can tell. They, they put a bunch of cockroaches on a board and would drag the board around to, to make oh, it look right. like a swarm of cockroaches moving. I can't that's believe this is your favorite. Like These are, nuclear this, war. Is, this is my second favorite. Um, I just love I, – I, there are a couple movies that stick with me from childhood and that don't hold up at all. I mean the, that silly um, Landmaster, is that what it's called? Uh, what is that – that stretchy thing in the middle. I mean, wh- how is that going to help? It's articulated, so it can so it can turn around things. Because otherwise, it would be too long. I know, but uh, you know, it's also a changing room. You're thinking about like having to uh, protect yourself, and the whole thing's armor plated. But if you have that one part that's made of fabric, I mean, what's the point of the armor plating? Well, it's Kevlar, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's stretchy um, Kevlar. But boy, does it not hold up. But I love that scene because. Uh, I have never forgotten that scene from that movie, uh, or the Landmaster for that matter, even though it's a kind of a dumb vehicle. Um, uh, and get a life. They 
used it. And I, I love the way that uh, Paul Winfield kind of figures out they're armor plated. And then later on, when uh, he runs to get in the car to get away from them, they all climb in through various parts of the car and, you know, start chomping on him. Uh, and the then, Kevlar. And then George Papard drives away and drives to J. Michael Vincent and the weird Italian actress um, and uh, who have gone into town to figure out, figure out if they can go, quote unquote, shopping. Um, and uh, Paul, Ver- I mean, no, I'm sorry, not Paul Verhoeven, geez. Um, uh, George Papard, his, his major character, uh, not major character, but actual army major or air force major, um, broadcasts this, this town is full of killer cockroaches. <laughs> and Jan Michael Benson's like, no shit. <laughs> And he's, I mean, he's driving his motorcycle around. He drives it upstairs. He jumps across the building. Uh, they, they fall down after they jump across the building. He skids, and the two of them fall down. And I don't think they're stunt people. I think they just fall down. Um, not off a roof. Just like they knock the bike. Yeah, but you can get pretty hurt just skidding a bike on concrete. Um, but I just love that that whole that whole scene of of the cockroaches swarming. Tom's appalled right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember there, there are far better like killer cockroaches from the 70s. Do you guys know a movie called Bug? Shut up! Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, my second... No, here we are. My first favorite uh, insect in a movie uh, is... Um, and this is only a recent thing. I'm going to go all the way back to 1961, which is unusual for me. It's, very, it's almost a grandpa movie. And for Bugs. And for bugs. So so seeing the Godzilla movie laid a lot of groundwork for this. I love in the recent Godzilla movie, I didn't know Mothra was like a good guy. And I furthermore, didn't know Mothra was a chick. And I love yeah. this idea that Mothra is a, a kinder, gentler, sort of more feminine, nurturing kaiju, like a Godzilla monster. And she's and, pretty. She's pretty winged. And I love, too. Yeah, she's pretty. And, and even her little weird pre uh, butterfly form is kind of endearing. So I watched the original Mothra, which is really bad, but yeah. I love how it's a variation on things like Godzilla and King Kong. Uh, so Godzilla... Do you like the twins? That's the thing, is I know I must have either... I've either seen this as a kid or I've seen clips of it because I definitely remembered those those twins. And I know it's something that people have talked about and we've been told about the kind of Easter egg in the Godzilla movie about the twins, which I, which I think is a terrible Easter egg. Um, but so I, I love how it's a variation on, on Godzilla is a Japanese movie about the bomb being dropped and about the traumatic relationship they have to radiation and, and the environment being destroyed and, and cities being wiped out. Like there's a lot of Japanese national consciousness in Godzilla and that's been a part of the Godzilla mythos as it's progressed. Um, Kelly, one, did you ever finish Shin Godzilla? By the way, uh, I think That's I have no. ten minutes left. All right. <laughs> um, but the last thing I saw was good. It's getting good. All right. So, and I, I think that's a part too of how the Godzilla mythos has evolved. Um, but Mothra, I don't think is any of that for a couple of reasons. Mothra, Godzilla is entirely supposedly scientific. Like, there's nothing supernatural about Godzilla. Right, right, Mothra, right. on the other hand, 
is more like a curse movie where there's this ancient civilization and when these bad guys plunder it for treasure, in this case these two little fairies, Mothra is this avenging protectress. Right. Uh, she doesn't just want to fuck up With Japan. With an island. She doesn't want to just mess up Japan. She's going there to rescue these little fairies who summon her through song. So mm-hmm. Mothra's not – she doesn't wish anybody ill. She's just doing – she's there – like it's justice. Like She, she has a motivation. There. Exactly. Right. She has a motivation that is entirely sympathetic. And yeah. what's hilarious to me in the movie Mothra is – the Japanese people aren't the bad guys there either. It's some – and I thought it was just a poor translation or something. But when they go on this expedition to this island where they find the fairies, the Japanese members of the expedition are like, no, let's leave the fairies here. Let's respect them. Let's respect the natives. Right. But there's a guy from a country called Rosica, which I just thought was, Uh-oh. okay, it's a bad translation for Russia. But for some reason, his name is Nelson, and he's the evil bad so guy. So America who, and Russia. Oh. How did you know that? Because I – Here's what happens. I, was, I assumed, okay, so he's he's Russian. He, he, How did he's, you know that? He captures the fairies. He brings them back to Japan, and he puts them in a show, kind of like in King Kong. But, oh, but I don't tiny. remember that. Yeah, so he yeah. puts them in a show, and he's profiting from this. And, uh, so it's like Dumbo. And then yeah, – exactly. And then when it turns out that Mothra is coming, and everybody's figure <laughs> out – you know, Where's it's clear, the show? In Japan? Yeah, it's in Japan, and it's a, it's the worst oh, show, by the way. Anyway. There are musical numbers in Mothra that are parts of the show. It's just the little fairies come out in a little uh, in a little kind of a wagon, and they they come out, and there's oh, regular God. sized people dancing around them doing a terrible dance number while the fairies sing a song. See, <laughs> that's not in the new CG Godzilla movies that you. You're love. right. You're absolutely right. See, yeah. I told you you were missing out. So, but people learning. get wise to the fact that hey, this Mothra, this weird thing that we've seen, which at this point, by the way, isn't a butterfly. It's a weird freaky inchworm that's swimming through the water and trashing right. ships and whatnot they figured out hey it's coming to japan and furthermore some of the people from the expedition who who discovered the mothra legend realize oh this is that protectress coming to rescue these little fairies we need to take the fairies from this this profiteer and give them back to mothra at which point nelson bundles the fairies up and gets and sneaks out of the country and what then he goes and then he goes to a place that I assumed was going to be Russia. But we then cut to Mothra discovering that the fairies aren't there and diverting to trash a city called Newkirk City, which looks exactly like New York. There's the there's the Brooklyn Bridge there. It's the skyline. Newkirk. When we cut to shots in the city, it looks like Norman Rockefeller 50s America. <laughs> That's just... where Nelson goes? Or exactly. He, Mothra's just picking that city at rip. No, no, that's where Nelson has, where has absconded with the fairies. And Kelly Wand, you're exactly right, and I didn't realize this, is in Mothra and, – and I looked this up. This persists through some of the Godzilla movies. There's a fictional world in which Russia and the U.S. are conflated in this Rosica country. Um, they're the same thing because Japan, of course, has a fraught relationship historically with both nations. Um, yeah, one bombed us and one we were always fighting – Right. Exactly, yeah. So they made up for Mothra, I presume. I don't know if it predated it to Godzilla, but it carried on beyond Mothra. This this amalgam of the U.S. and Russia who are generally where bad guys come from so that right. they're not implicating any, any Japanese folks. Because the Japanese are totally good guys in this, by the way. So, yeah. And I just well, love, too, too, I love the design of it. The actual Mothra, because I've talked with Kelly, like I think you can't have dudes in suits anymore. That's yes. a relic. That's a relic She's of those days. It yeah. was charming. It was cute. But this Mothra, 
when she becomes a butterfly, she's furry. Like she's right. a, like I, you could have a moth for a plushie. She's totally furry, and you could pet her. Um, Aww. And, and she's, she's on strings, right? There's not someone inside. Oh, but here's the thing: they cut, they frame it where you can't see the strings. Like their their shots where clearly the tops of the wings are out of the frame because that's where the, the strings are held. Like they're they're super circumspect about not showing strings. Um, but I also didn't realize this: the, this cute little chirping, almost bird-like, affectionate noise that yeah, Mothra makes in the latest Godzilla movie is straight out of the 1961 right. movie. Yeah, and Godzilla has a distinctive sound too. They all yeah, yeah. speak, and Rodan sounds like Rodan sounds like how you think. But, um, so Mothra is Gamera. a Gamera. I'm, you know what? And I'm even, I mean, like I used to be totally into Gamera as a kid. No, I'm, I'm post Gamera, and right now I'm really into Mothra. I understand in, uh, and I haven't seen it yet. There's a Godzilla versus Mothra movie, and yeah. I don't know how I feel about her fighting him, but I guess he's a bad guy in it, so we'll find out. Well, they might. This might be a meat cute. Oh, it could be Kelly Wand, right? It could be. Yeah. I like the sound of that. So, but they so, all have. If I remember right, I uh-huh. saw that one or some other one after. I kind of went on a Godzilla binge too, and it does seem like in a lot of them, if it's not Russa, Russica, Russaverica, Newkirk, it's right? like diamond smugglers or like an evil billionaire. Like there's always like a bad human that like the good Japanese are like, oh, he's trying to use Mothra for to counterfeit things. I, I just remember bonds, real estate I remember so little of because I know I'd seen Godzilla movies, but I just I remember as a kid being so frustrated. Why are you showing me people talking? You know, get to right. where there's a there's a monster stomping on stuff. And I just remember as a yeah. kid when you couldn't fast forward through that stuff because it was being broadcast on TV, just being so impatient waiting for the good parts to come up and having no idea and not even caring what was going on otherwise. I just wanted to see monsters trashing model cities like that was super. Well, I always go the ones where it's two monsters' names in the title or Monster Island, like where it implies there's a bunch of monsters. Then right. you go, oh, it's better value that's what i thought at the time you're probably right i love the dialogue parts yeah yeah well that's the thing the mothra thing is just it's so weird and clumsy and kind of endearing too you can also see just it it, it's totally endearing the the parts where it's trying to be funny with the comedic characters which are just really it's completely japanese comedic characters i know Uh, i love it, it yeah yeah so but and i genuinely like mothra like she's now my favorite insect uh in all of moviedom and she was early on like they instantly embroidered the Godzilla universe with a benevolent giant moth on an island. Yeah, because I, it looks like they were just trying to do something like in the same vein as Godzilla. But nobody talks about Godzilla in the Mothra movie. Like so, and uh, even though Godzilla is really? from like like seven years earlier, it's not in the same universe as the Godzilla movie because Godzilla is never acknowledged. You know, it's about like this island has been. Uh, the implication is that this island has been irradiated, and that's what caused the fairies. And I, I don't know that that has some, like the natives that live there had to survive the radiation, so they're weird and different. Um, but there's no mention of Godzilla or Tokyo having been trashed seven years ago by a giant irradiated lizard. So maybe they don't talk about it like in Jaws two. Well, I'm just, I'm just guessing that they were just trying to sep- make a separate movie and eventually realized oh you know we should stick these together and make a hey, godzilla verse same right yeah. we're using the same studio the same actors right. the same writer the same money exactly i know let's just put a boat we have the same props right right so uh yeah no it's good that they figured it out all right well kelly wand what is your favorite insect in damn you 
Yeah, all right. So my number one is the motion picture bug. Oh, because I didn't think anyone had ever seen that. Yeah, it's the last William Castle movie from 1975. The guy oh. did House on Haunted Hill, the original, and The Tinkler, and Mr. Right, Sardonic he's famous. Festus. Right, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. And the scientist in it's a total fucking idiot. It's exactly what you were talking about. It's hysterical. It's so fucking dumb. They Tell Dingus, do you know the movie the Bug? No, I, I, there's a Michael Shannon version. No, because that's a that's a Tracy Letts play that William Friedkin oh. directed. No, this is a nineteen. Uh, this is totally a seventies movie. Uh, Kelly Wan, tell Dingus what Bug is about. Bug is about Dingus. These cockroaches that come up out of hell and they can start fires too. So not only do they attack you, but they like burn you up, blow you up. The poster had a the slogan for the movie was the picture you will see with your eyes closed. <laughs> And also in the trailer, they're like, cockroaches, the, they look like a rock. Like the guys say it like that. I'm like, oh. They have, oh, he goes, no, he goes, he goes, cockroaches, they have no eyes and they look like a rock. Start fires. Too. Do they breathe fire or do they just. No, burn? their little butts light up and they, catch, they make things catch fire. Because here's the, the thing that I remember, Dingus, and this is what freaked me out as a kid, and I just uh, – is there's a scene where a woman answers the phone, and the yeah, cockroach my, is – Okay, right. That's oh, go ahead. So go ahead, Kelly. I want to describe this because it's what freaked me out as a kid. There's like a long, endless scene of exposition before that where she they're, she's moving, so they're putting stuff in boxes, and she's talking about, yeah, you know, where I used to live, it didn't have this kind of fence, and then this, and in the in the foreground, there's like a cockroach on the phone receiver of like of a landline phone. That uh, the cockroach, I think, makes the phone ring because you hear him making weird noises like beep boop, like kind of monster <laughs> noises, but sinister. Uh, I don't know and, about this. Go ahead, Kelly. Wan. Did the phone doesn't actually ring? Yeah, because she picks it up. Right. Well, doesn't someone call her? Uh, well, the second she picks up the phone, she starts screaming because the bug is like fused to her face. And I remember it getting she, in her hair. Yeah, it's in her hair, like, by her ear. Yeah. She's screaming, but she's not pulling at it or trying to remove it. Because I guess that would ruin the prop. But, like, the guys in the room are like, ah! But it's one of those scenes where they're all screaming and moving around and, like... But doesn't it light her face up? Like, doesn't her head catch fire? Like... Yeah. Yeah, And it lights another chick's head on fire, too. Yeah. Like, a a lot of hair. So, Dingus, this will make you think twice before you answer the phone. If I remember right, the scientist makes the cockroaches. Yeah, the... The call's coming from inside the house, Dingus, and not even from a human. Coming uh, from in, inside your head. Right. The, the cockroaches come from the earthquake. Like you said, you've described it as from hell, and that's clearly what what they want it to look like. Because when they, you know, the earth splits open, and it's like glowing red in there. But there's an earthquake. Like, it, I, I like this opening. I can think of a couple movies that open this way, where it's just a normal place, normal things happening, and then there's a little slight earthquake. Yeah. And then everything goes back to normal, but we, the audience, realize that earthquake caused something, like, evil or dire, or now something terrible is going to happen. Like, the earthquake's a precursor, or it created something. Does well, earthquake... the earthquake... Uh-huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the irony is that I think in the earthquake, a lot of the roaches die, and the main scientist character, the hero, Bradford Dillman, is the actor's name? <laughs> wow. <Yes. laughs> uh, that's his stage name. His real name is much less cinematic. But uh, he... Like most of the roaches are dead, and he winds up crossbreeding a couple, one of the survivors and making the villain roaches. Like he actually makes oh. these roaches. So it's a dumbass human. I vaguely remember yeah, he's got like in his living room like uh, a, a roach breeding tank or like a terrarium yeah. or something, right? Right. Yeah, and they spell out his name Parmenter. 
Well, they eventually, right, they eventually talk to him by spelling out words on the wall, and they spell out the words, we live, right? We live. Yeah, Yeah. they do. You're right. It's freaky. It's really good. It's fucking great. Um, Yeah, I forget the ending, though. And I just watched it. Well, I thought that was the ending, like where the implication is they're going to take over the world, right? Yeah. I think so. That's where I kind of zoned out. Oh, you know what? No, maybe they actually go back in the crack in there. It might have a happy ending. I don't remember. They go into hell. Maybe they just spray water on the roach. <laughs> but it's just called Bug. And uh, another of the slogans in the trailer was, The ordinary becomes extraordinary. And you won't live alone if you live at all when the <laughs> bug comes to your house. So the other thing they say about that. But bugs don't have eyes and look like a rock. It's supposed to like scare. Like fuck, that's true. Shit. Well, it's like the that's scene Dingus. It's like the scene Dingus was talking about in uh, in Damnation Alley. And there just there's a lot of cockroaches in this movie, and they're weird and creepy and gross. Yeah, and we don't have that anymore. And I have a theory. My new theory, Tom, is that you can't CG can't be scary or funny. Think. Hmm. Yeah, think about it. Like, um, for example, like the Cone of Silence in the Get Smart and Hathaway one. It's all CG. Totally not funny because it has to be like a piece of shit plastic prop that looks like garbage. Kelly, one, I'm guessing the CG. Cool looking. I'm guessing the CG that is scary and funny that you've seen, you might not have realized was CG. That's. Okay, that's the only kind that works. It's exceptionally <laughs> Like giant mouths on ghosts. Is cool. Oh, God, quit freaking me out. You're scaring me. Uh, I don't like hearing about that. But if you could have someone like a contortionist with an extra big mouth, you would feel that extra reality. But, like, the thing is better than, say, Grave Encounters 2. But not by virtue of anything CG. It's just a better movie. Well... But it's practical effects, and you, it looks more real. Right, but you're comparing a you're comparing a middling anyway. movie with a masterpiece. Uh, you know that's true. Cause <laughs> the, well, all of the good ones are practical effects, and all the bad ones are modern and CG, aren't they? I'll tell you a CG. movie that is drenched, absolutely drenched in CG. Uh, Fury Road. Yeah, but it's not. But what the the theory is, it can't be scary or funny. But in oh, Fury Road, it's not doing either. Okay, of fair enough. It's just entertaining. <laughs> they, they can, CG has its uh, virtues. Dingus, where are you on this debate? Can CG be scary or funny? Uh, sure. All right, well, Kelly Wan, Dingus. there you go. Yeah, that's. I agree with Dingus's <laughs> uncertain, hesitant agreement. Dingus, what is the best bug in all of moviedom? All right, here's a quote from it. Um, Somebody grew this guy, fed him honey and nightshade, kept him warm. Somebody loved him. And this is from a movie called Silence of the Lambs. And in keeping with Tom talking about a moth, um, this is the the dreaded uh, death's head moth, um, also known as... uh, Acarantia, Acarantia sticks. Actually, it has three names, but the the ones from one of the ones from Asia is known as Acarantia sticks. And there's a line in this scene that I really love, uh, where uh, Clarice Starling takes this uh, pod that she's found in the throat of one of uh, James Gum's victims, and she takes it to these etymologists at. Uh, I think a museum or a university, it 
feels more like a museum and asks them what it is and and they're they're kind of looking at it and uh, one of them um, uh, named Roden uh, starts to uh, he says okay now let's check morphology and he starts to carefully cut away the it's not a carapace but the the cocoon I guess it would be um, carefully cut it away so you can see so he can figure out what's going on inside and inside is this what looks like a skull and you see that on the poster and on the cover of the book um, and it's just really great that it's called uh, Acheronix Sticks and that uh, there's there's this progression of Lecter kind of leading her to figure this out because um, it, the moth, uh, I forget how he puts it, but basically uh, the moth uh, kind of gives connotations of change and of evolving or becoming something new and beautiful um, from being in this little pod or a, or a worm, I would suppose, and then growing into this beautiful creature, even though it has this uh, thing known as the death's head on it, or a skull on, on its on its face. And when Rodin when Rodin is doing this, the other doctor, um, I think his name is Pilchin, is hitting on Clarice, uh, and asking her what she does when she's not a policeman. And it's just funny that. Um, Jodie Foster has to play along with this dorky scientist uh, and say, are you, are you hitting on me, doctor? And he's like, yeah. Um, and, they all hit on her, don't they? Yeah, well, there's, there's this thing that goes through it where even in the very opening scene where she's running down from the training uh, course uh, because um, her boss has asked her to come into his office, Jack Crawford. And this group of uh, FBI cadets are all jogging. They're all men. And they all turn back to look at her as she runs by. Uh, but there is that sense of... And, of course, Miggs in the next cell, what he does. And, uh, right, that's script, hitting on <laughs> the, yeah, Literally. She's the Sharon Stone of the feds. Um, and, of course, Hector. Hector uh, Hannibal Lecter which is short to Hector, um, they, they develop an odd relationship. Uh, and he warns her about this. And then there's a scene later on where James Gum is in his weird basement. Um, and there are all these moths fluttering around him and it's almost like a black light. It's a really dark light in there. And he's, he's tending to them and he's doing exactly what Dr. Roden said is that he's, he's, he's feeding them and he's, and he's showing them love and he's keeping them warm in this sort of moth greenhouse. Um, but that particular moment where he cuts them open and you see that death's head and he says, this is called Acherontic sticks, which I really loved. Did either of you see hotel Artemis with Jodie Foster? Oh, is that mm -hmm. the new thing? Yeah, I just I just love what uh like the the way her career's progressed from like I mean everybody knows her from Silence of the Lambs, but uh she plays a a sort of a fuddy-duddy old uh doctor running a secret underground medical clinic 
in Blade yeah. Runner City. Uh, and Dave Bautista is like her bodyguard sidekick slash nurse oh, orderly. Is it good? You like it? <laughs> no, it I think it's terrible. Like but it's really fascinating watching uh, Jodie Foster, just watching where her career has come and watching her play this uh, really interesting character. Um, I didn't like her in Inside Man. I go, her character's, I guess, interesting, but it's like. I just, wasn't she just like a cop in that? Like, I don't remember. Yeah, but she acts like a succession character. She just kind of walks in and goes, chuka, 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 chuka. Right. I know everything. Okay, bye. And then she's like, nothing. All right, so uh, Dingus, what kind of insects do do our uh, listeners enjoy? Uh, Jamie Seward um, is short and sweet and to the point. His number three is Poor Anthony from Ant-Man. Uh, oh, right. Jamie... How does it die? Who kills it? Um, what's his name? shoots its wing off and yeah and i do house of cards right i forget his name all right his name's kobe smolders um jamie seward's number two is poor auntie from honey i shrunk the kids uh i was thinking about that thinking about it just want uh, to know what is and... it what happens to it dies tragic ant death see in movies about giant ants tom you can use the dog and Jamie Seward's final one his number one or her I don't know um, runner uh, the scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom I'm sure everyone has this as really the only right answer I don't like those bugs I hate those bugs they're gross those bugs are almost as the, the only worse bugs than those are the ones in Peter Jackson's King Kong like that sequence is horrific I love that sequence for how terrible it is but because I hate those bugs those are terrible bug. Talk about fucker bugs. Jeez. I love Kate how uh, uh, Kate Capshaw refuses to reach in and pull the lever because there's bugs in there. Yeah. And she goes back to where Indiana Jones is peeking out, and she says, I, I can't do it. And he goes, we are going to die. She and, breaks a nail, too. And he, he shakes his fist through the hole and points where it is. Um, she goes, yes, I, 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 I want to fuck that. He says, she says, I broke a nail, and she turns her hand over, and there's this huge centipede on her hand, um, which is not, of course, an insect. Um, too many legs. Oh, dingus. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's, it has too many. We don't like it anymore. It has more than four. Not that we don't yeah. like it. It's just not classified that way. I don't like it. No, I'm saying <laughs> Tom doesn't like it. Like, we don't keep them as pets. If you have more than four legs, you're out, you're out of the VIP list. I guess we could choose lobsters because they're basically bugs. Um, so uh, Marcus Robertson is our next writer inner. Hey, Quarter Thing Movie Podcast Extended Universe. Nice to see you. Uh, Get, uh, Marcus, that was a good impression. Preview. That yeah. was a very good Schwarzenegger, Marcus. Well done. Um, yeah. Silence of the Much Lambs. Much better than Dinguses. <laughs> <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, 1991, Death's Head, Hawk Moth. See? Act- Acarantia sticks. Facing some downtime at the FBI Academy, local, local whiz kid Clarice Starling decides to skip physical training and watch an autopsy at the local mortician's office. The mortician discovers during the autopsy that the victim had a habit of eating moth pupae. And on that date, no, she didn't. Marcus, how dare you? Uh, when when the she wasn't eating them. James Gum shoves them down their throat. Uh, when the autopsy 
complete and not wanting to return to the academy, Clarice decides to take the pupa to an etymologist. It is here at the etymologist's office that the non-native Asian death's head hawk moth is revealed, the very same moth species found in the po- on the poster of this particular film. It is both menacing and beautiful. I agree with you, Marcus. Did Marcus actually write etymologist? Yes, he did. He's an entomologist, right? Yeah. Oh, he did write that. Sorry. Okay. He he did write. He did not talk about words. Is that what etymologist is? It is. Yes. All right. Uh, his uh, next one, and this is one I almost picked just because I think it's funny. Um, Starship Troopers, the yeah. brain bug. Yeah. It's a Freya dingus. And that's why I didn't uh, call Kelly Wand on uh, uh, interstellar bugs or science fiction bugs or whatever he did that you didn't like. Oh, Naked Lunch. Um, in this classic 1997 Paul Verhoeven science fiction film about what if giant insects lived on desert planets, the film introduces our antagonists to a species of insect, funnily enough, referred to as the arachnids or the bugs who right. are in an intergalactic land dispute with some space Mormons. I like the flamethrower one, too, and also the puker. Um, as the movie develops, the war progresses. Federation scientists spitball the idea that there's a brain bug controlling the entire species of sci-fi insects. This hypothesis is confirmed when Lieutenant Rashak of the mobile <laughs> infantry discovers a dead soldier who's had his brains slurped out like a slushy uh, on Tatooine. They test the, with their figure. The, the brain Let's bug... Um, the brain bug is later revealed to be completely composed of CG... And best resembles an engorged tick's abdomen with a face and a bendy straw for a nose. Weird. Oh, See, that's funny, Kelly Wand. There's funny CG. Yeah, you're right. Uh, is it... Uh, Amy Verhoeven. Is, is it Michael <laughs> Ironsides who says the, yeah. the bug set a trap for us? I, uh, or Clancy Brown. Okay. One of those two guys. Um, so his final one is uh, Mimic. The Judas ah, breed. Yeah. Guillermo yeah, del Toro tells the timeless tale of creating genetically altered man-sized cockroaches <laughs> in order to stop some type of super influenza, Strickler's disease, caused by regular cockroaches That's the in Manhattan. obvious cure for most diseases. What's not to love? Thanks and keep up the incredible work, Marcus Robertson. Thank you, Marcus. I don't remember any of that motivation behind those like killer mimic cockroaches. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't remember that either. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's classic Del Toro. Like he's fascinated with bugs even before that. Classic Del Toro. In a, in a movie called Chronos, <laughs> but uh, I, I remember that. Yeah, like it, they're very striking. But I didn't remember anything about a, a. They came from a cure for the flu. Wow. I didn't remember that either. That's pretty impressive. The swarm was created to bring down like shipping costs. Is that true? Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, uh, I thought because the swarm, I think, is just garden variety killer bees, right? Yeah. 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 I think so. What's the What's the Frank Herbert one? Something Dune. swarm. No, not <laughs> something plague. God the... Emperor Plague. Oh, fuck. Right. Mwadib. I can't remember the name of it. The something swarm? B'nai Gesserit. Gomjabar. It's like the. What's the giant computer's name? How? A Colossus. Mother. Right. Uh, 
Next, we have Seb. Hello there. I discovered your podcast some weeks ago, and the three of you have accompanied me on the road ever since. Sweet. So Hellstrom's here I am. Hive. Sorry. Hellstrom's so Hive. Kelly, we move past it. No fair thinking of I'm it sorry. once we've gone past sorry. it. Sorry. We won't accept that. So here I am. So here I am with my three favorite insects in movies. Number three, the ants coming out of a hole in the main character's palm in Un Chien Andalou, an Andalusian dog. This movie would be my number one pick if you ever were to do a three by three best scene with a man pulling two pianos with a dead donkey inside. (laughs) That's a good that's a good topic. I think you won that one already. Uh, Seb's number two. I'm sure you already mentioned it, but my number two pick is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. When Indy, the annoying boy, (laughs) he refers to as the annoying boy, um, and the more than annoying blonde woman get trapped in a tunnel. That's how they're referred to. The latter, covered with insects, has to put her hand inside a cavity also full of insects in order to action a lever and save everybody's favorite hero, as well as, unfortunately, the annoying boy. If nothing else, this scene is on my list by virtue of having a Harrison Ford in it. And number one, Dario Argento's Phenomena uh, is my clear number one pick. In this movie, the main character, a 15-year-old Jennifer Connelly... Yeah. Has the ability to interact to telepathically with insects. Some superheroes can fly, can fly, uh, can fly in the air and throw lasers. Some are immortals and have adamantium claws. But Jennifer Connelly can talk to cockroaches. Like yeah, she's like an Aquaman seller. Uh, and there's a monkey in it too. Like she has a monkey sidekick. Oh, like Gleep. Gleek. Gleek. Thank you. Sorry. But it's definitely it's definitely like post labyrinth pre career opportunities Jennifer Connelly she's pretty striking oh. yeah. Um, yeah she uses her tech- unique ability to communicate with insects to investigate a series of murders <laughs> helped by an etymo- entomologist sorry you guys Donald Pleasance oh and yeah his uh, chim- and his chimpanzee yep ultimately she even falls in gruesome pool of maggots. After having uh, discovered that the murders were, in fact, a disfigured midget armed with a spear and his crazy mother. Spoiler! It all adds up. Whom the above-mentioned chimpanzee brutally kills at the end by slicing her. Oh my god, off. total spoiler! I, I don't read these beforehand, so I don't know. I don't know I why people... Do, like, why do people not know... Like, Dario Argento, I don't know a lot of his movies, but I don't know why people don't constantly talk about this one. Because it's so freaky and weird and random. Yeah. I, I mean, Suspiria, yeah, sure, it's great, fine, whatever. But this thing, come on, this thing's crazy. Yeah. The monkey kills the murder, it's just insane. Do the do the cockroaches look cool? Eh, no, it's, it's like she's got superpowers that makes a bunch of bug effects kill someone. Like, I don't remember a lot of specifics. How uh, do they kill them? Uh, well, she, I, like, she, Creep it's like Storm. I seem to recall it's like, like she's an X-Men, like Storm, but instead of Storms, they're bugs. Does she raise her hand like, like the X-Men do? It's not like casting CG. a spell, Kelly Wand. Oh, it's not? Like Mag- Magneto does it? It's, it's telepathic. Oh, but that's yeah, the brain, right? Yeah, but Professor X just sits there and looks at you. Yeah, because he can't uh, stand. Yeah, so, a lot of times uh, when people have that telepathy, they just use their hands for show. They don't really need to use them. Yeah, exactly. That's what Doctor Strange does. 
Um, Seb says a very sober and typical script after all. I hope I, hope I haven't been too long. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Seb. <laughs> Look what we did to it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, weird they're called the X-Men and his head shaped like a giant O. So if it was like a tic-tac-toe game. Everybody's head is shaped like a giant O, Kelly Wand. No, but if your leader, if the leader of the group is shaped like an O, it, it should be the, be the Omen. The Omen. Yeah. The Omen. yeah. Um, Arthur Giovanelli. Three, a bug's life. At one point, a couple of house flies react to a disappointing circus performance by saying, I've only got 24 hours to live, and I ain't going to waste it here. <laughs> That's a good line. I haven't seen either of those. Are they good? Yeah, yeah. Uh, bug's life yeah. is great. It's Seven like Samurai. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. Right. And then and then flying away. I love that line. <laughs> I love the bug theme joke when I was younger. Still still holds up, but the movie is no Seven Samurai. Also, it what holds up about it too is the villain, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. We talk about that uh, coming into its own. So to speak. Arthur second is Men in Black. Well, I was certainly tempted to pick the evil bug alien played by Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't think he qualifies as an insect. So instead, I will pick a large group of cockroaches that an exterminator finds in a barn and is about to eradicate. That is until he is discovered by the aforementioned D'Onofrio, who hoists him with his own petard. It is a really funny scene, and D'Onofrio's pre-murder speech is so quotable. Uh, Arthur, number one is Once Upon a Time in the West. A group of gunmen waits at the train station, and a fly starts circling one of them. (laughs) Because he is bored, the gunman tries to trap the insect in the barrel of his gun, by covering the opening with his finger. He is ultimately successful in this endeavor, and we see him gleefully holding the gun barrel up to his ear, grinning as he listens to the noise of the six-legged prisoner. That's the payoff to his labors. It's like an ocean seashell thing. Um, Luke S. Hmm. In Shane Carruth's Upstream Color. Oh, right, but they're in heads. These aren't insects. The mind fuckiest movie ever made, in my opinion. Everything starts with a larva. It's it's never completely clear what this larva is or what it ultimately becomes, but it's obviously insectoid. When fed to a human being, this larva in, induces a hypnotic state that uh-huh. makes one highly I'm sorry, highly susceptible to persuasion. I should be able to say that easily since it's a line from Wrath of Khan. Uh, or no, it's suggestion. Uh, eventually, the larva transforms into something slithery and horrible that lives beneath the skin of its host. If it wasn't bad enough, it also causes a complete loss of what, what one might consider his or herself. People subjected to this process are forced to reconsider, reconstruct their lives under the most confusing circumstances possible. This leads into a movie that is so esoteric and opaque that I wasn't even sure what the plot was after I saw it for the first time. Unraveling Upstream Colors mysteries throughout the multiple viewings has been the single most rewarding film journey I've ever embarked upon. Wow. I think he's cheating because those are worms. It's definitely because they get the old guy who uses the speakers to pull the worms out of the ground – to right. pull the worms out of people. Like, I, that's, Dingus, pull him over. Give him a ticket. Uh, yeah. uh, he was probably intending to do that. Uh, so, Lucas, 
I'm pulling you over. Analyze. Uh, uh, Rhiannon McLean. Ah, oh, so good to hear from you again. Dearest Dingus. Dearest Tom Chick. Kelly Wan is canceled for being rude about Empire Records. Oh. Harsh. I liked it. What are you talking about? I just, Tom, I was trying to make Tom want to see it. <laughs> what did I say? I can't remember. Uh, ben Foster's in it, isn't he? Who is? Ben Foster in Empire Records. No, it's Ethan Embry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Ethan Embry, yeah. Um, can't hardly wait. Confusion. Sorry. Uh, Rhiannon says, here are the best bugs. Number three, hello, Mr. Grasshopper. You're beautiful from Tropic Thunder. I don't know that movie. Um, all bugs from Starship Troopers. A bug planet. And Rhiannon McLean's number three, uh, number one, I'm sorry, B-Man from Constantine helps Keanu Reeves fight demons with a hissing beastie in a matchbox. He okay. really likes bugs. Who doesn't? Lots of love. Is that the voodoo guy? Who's the who is B Man from Constantine? I thought he was a demon. Asian. I don't know. Okay. Because Pruitt Taylor Vince gets killed by doesn't he like no flies or something kill or bugs kill him or he gets swarmed by something, you're right. Yeah. But I think yeah, I think B Man she's talking about the Haitian voodoo guy that Kelly Wan just mentioned, I think. Oh, okay. His voodoo and bees. Don't get me started. <laughs> you're not talking about Jaiman Hansu. Yeah, isn't uh, it? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, He's the Mr. Echo of the Constantine universe. Alex, <laughs> what? Dingus doesn't know Lost references, Kelly Wand. Doesn't? He, he's the one who's, he's the only one on this podcast smart enough to have not watched Lost. Or Walking Dead. Dumber than Dingus? Yep. <sighs> See? I know. Insult to injury. Alex Burns. Hey, you ding-dongs. Hopefully this isn't too late, but here are my top three favorite insects and movies I've rewatched in the past month. Number three, Temple of Doom. Yes, this movie sucks. However, this is what? possibly the most memorable insect dinner scenes in cinematic history. Good pick, Alex. It's Temple of Doom's great. Because they, they actually eat the bugs, and her uh, response is, no thanks, I had bugs for lunch. Oh, yeah, the Indian guy with the turban belches after he licks the beetle. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in tenth uh, grade AP English class, the girl who sat next to me made me a a pin, like you that you would pin to your shirt that said "I had bugs for lunch" on it. And I was like, "I don't okay, thanks." Wait, what? That's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it's but I did moves on you. I didn't. I didn't know how to respond to that at the time. Still, that's up. true. I would have just gone up. Uh, Alex, number two, the nice guys. First man's. Uh, first man. Huge first Wait, man. I'm trying to think. What's the bug bit in this? First man's Ryan Gosling. Gosling! <laughs> Thank you. Falls asleep at the wheel and dreams of a human sized. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's such a random. Very good. <laughs> oh wow, these are great. Who the hell's Gosling lately? Quiet since first man. He's, He's always going to movies with you. That's where he that's is. That's a good point with Arnold. Who also isn't working a lot lately a deus ex machina occurs and the story continues um alex number three i mean sorry, I number one predator more is border my favorite oh, movie from uh, last year wait yeah i mean it's, it's freaking me out but yeah it's good 
My favorite movie from last year, thanks to the likes of Tom. The first scene of our main character interacting with an insect is strange and beautiful, just as is the rest oh, of the movie. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, the first scene is awesome, but later on, uh, the scenes are weird and gross. But okay, very yeah. good. I like that. Yeah, he, uh, I, what I like about Alex's picks is that he um, goes kind of off the beaten path a little bit. That's really cool. Um, thank you. I don't write in often enough, but I always listen. Thanks, Alex. But yeah, uh, I love her picking up that bug and looking at it and not being sure what to do with it and putting it back and how that's a bookend with the very last scene and how the bug is involved in that scene. Right, right. And a baby's so. like a maggot. Kelly Wan, spoiler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, spoiling childhood, too, for uh, new mothers. Shut up, Kelly. All right, what? <laughs> Ian, Ian Slutes, his quote is, we live. Uh, he saw Bug too. I think that's a generational thing, Kelly Wand. Dude, it's great. I know, but I think if you see it at that age, it sticks with you. Like it's, it's so the same freaky. year as Kingdom of the Spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kingdom of the See, I would have picked Kingdom of the Spiders. is the thing with the captain from Gilligan's Island, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the VW bug with the spider legs on it. Uh huh. Yeah, that name? freaked me out too. But there's one in uh, Jeepers Creepers too. Giant bug on the car. It's probably the same one. Isn't his last name McLean? Who's? Uh, the the guy you're talking about, the guy from the love boat? No, Skipper. Uh, he's the Skipper from Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah, Gilligan's so. Island. The that, little buddy, right. he calls it, I forget what, it, uh, Alan, no, Alan. Hale. Hale, oh, shoot, yeah, I was going to remember that, wow, yeah. So I remember, so, well, that's spiders, so we can't talk about it. Okay, he's so He's the one on. who sucks and the storm happens and then they go on the island and then they go back to the same island. He's, he's that bad a sea captain. It's not his Jesus fault. Christ. It's his first mate's what? fault. It's Gilligan's fault there on the island? Probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. who who appointed him? So Ian Sl- Slutes is talking about Bug. I want to hear about this. What does he remember? Uh, all right. What does he have to say Sorry. about Bug? Sorry. Gilligan's dissection. <laughs> he says, I wish I had something clever to say. I wish I had more than one movie. But when Dingus asked for bugs, all I could think of was Bug from 1975. The bugs start fires. They, they get into places they don't belong. They spell. <laughs> yeah. Taps into our fears of spelling. <laughs> when, when I was young, this movie they spell appeared... spell entomologist. <laughs> All right, what? When I was young, the, the movie appeared in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area's Channel 44, a home uh, of out-of-date sitcoms, and freaked me out. The bugs yeah. were everywhere. Hair, pipes, ears. Phones. Yeah, ears, phones, right. And dicks. Fucking bugs. His his final line was, I don't think anything scared me more until I saw monkey shines. (laughs) Yeah, that's terrifying. That's a downhill move. (laughs) So actually, uh, Bug was based on a novel, which I'm curious about. Because, Kelly Wan, you made me read a spontaneous combustion apocalypse novel by Stephen King's son, and it was terrible. But Bug is based on an apocalypse called it's, it's a Hephaestus project is the name of the novel and it's an yeah. apocalypse about cockroaches that cause fires because they need to eat the ash to live oh so it's a they, worldwide yeah. phenomenon rather than bug where because of of course budgetary reasons i imagine they so had to scale it them. scale it down to one city um right. but but it's based on a global apocalypse cockroach apocalypse there's a British author named James Herbert who wrote uh, like four books about rats, like like the 
Rats, Lair, and then one's called Domain, and it's after Nuclear War, and it's Giant Rats. So, I get my point. But anyway, those, like, 70s grocery store horror novels are fucking yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, All right, so Dingus... That's was... another thing that doesn't exist anymore, just like... The basic instinct kind of movies, like erotic thrillers, like they're all kind of woke now. Like the like bugs actually being scary movies don't exist. And if they are, they're fucking CG bullshit. Okay, what were we gonna say? I mean Sorry. yeah, like they're you know, rant. Like I wonder no movies. If, could you find like a bug wrangler in Hollywood still? Like if you needed live bugs. Yeah. Or is that just a dead industry now because people CG it? I don't know. It's a dead ant industry. Like it even Crystal Skull had those, like, red ants in it, and those were... Oh, yeah, ants. yeah, right, CG ants. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. And the second you see them, you're like, it's not... Because, like, even in old Raiders, when that guy's face melts, that's not CG. It's like they melted a wax statue or something. Right. Uh, Markinson didn't write in, Dingus, is that right? Yes, he did. He did. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just waiting for you guys to... Because he posted an awesome oh, gift from yeah. this, which was kind yeah. of a... I about had to change my list. Yeah, me too. Um, I, lo- I love that pick. We'll get to it in a second. So Chris Markinson says, hey, guys, I'll let others choose Gandalf's Butterfly Buddies and go with the following. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Gandalf's Butterfly Buddies? Yeah. So he's stuck. Guire, Guire, go to Guire. He's stuck on top of the tower in the Butterfly. Oh, Orthanc. Yeah, okay, no, I do know what he's talking uh, about. Right, uh, okay. Uh, Tom knows what Orthanc I'm is. enough of a Tolkien nerd. I'm trying. That was your mnemonic device, too, to remember the Butterfly. Orthanc! <laughs> All right, continue. We've outed Tom as an Orthanc knowledger. Well, Markinson said we were going to talk about it, so we've talked about it. Okay, liar, so carry liar. on. Go, 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 get the eagle. He needs a butterfly <laughs> to tell the eagle to come pick him up. So that's – yes, Dingus, I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> Markinson's number three. There's a point in the movie Hereditary where there's a shot of a bunch of ants feeding – yeah. It is part of a fairly intense overall scene. It's a great shot. His number two is Embrace of the Serpent. Ah, oh, remember? Magic Indian. There's a beautiful moment early in the movie where old Karamakate is standing on a rock on the shore of a river and a swarm of butterflies flutters around him. This is repeated at the end of the movie with Evan, but I'm choosing the butterflies around Karamakate. And Chris Markinson's number one. Near the start of Under the Skin, Scarlett Johansson's character finds an ant on the stomach of a person. She scoops the ant up, and you see the ant moving from her middle finger to her index finger. Then there's a close-up of the ant. The significance of this was lost on me when I first saw the movie, and only took on greater meaning after watching it several more times. Thanks, guys. All right, so do you guys have any runners-up? People did I, – I, I didn't know – I thought we were supposed to do bugs we actually liked, and there are so few, so I don't have runners-up because I was just trying to think of bugs I liked, and I don't like any bugs. So I've used all you mine. You do. I found I three bugs. of them. I, I like three bugs exactly. There, there aren't more than that. One of them's a puppet. Go a on. Japanese movie. Right. And the other two are uh, CG. One, no, the other's real bugs. Uh, and and then the other is uh, yeah so the real bees the real praying mantis and then the fuzzy mothra who you could pet if you wanted to you don't like the furry. the cockroach and bug I don't or like cockroaches no, like they're weird and gross no I don't like the cockroaches and bug they're freaky of course I don't like them 
But they also killed the guy in Creepshow. That guy was a dick. He was mean to the courier. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, uh, G. Uh, Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, right. See, even I know who yeah. that is. Yeah, no, I don't like those. Those are gross. They're in, they're, they're in his, like, smoothie. He makes a smoothie, and they get in his smoothie. Yeah, and his cereal. Yeah. Oh, God, it's freaking out. No, I don't like those bugs. They're terrible. But and that's a good like runner-up, Kelly Wand. Yeah. The Bee Stings, uh, Dudley Moore in 10. I like because it looks like a real bee in someone's nose. Doesn't Matthew Broderick get stung by a bee in election? Yeah, yeah he does. Not, oh, I'm just not remembering that right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does that happen in the book? Let's read the book. Who cares? Yeah, that's come on. Yeah, good point. Uh, Kelly, right. do you have any runners up? No. I was going to say the guy in the turban eating the bug and Um, I'm surprised nobody brought up Brazil. Mm. I mean, I don't like that bug, but it's kind of instrumental to the plot. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I was close on <laughs> is uh, the moment in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Belloc is uh, talking. <laughs> yeah, and there flies on his face. <laughs> Oh, dingus, I do like that one. Okay. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I cut, so I cut you off cackling, so go ahead and explain what you're talking about. That's professionalism. <laughs> Indiana Jones is standing above them in this canyon on this island pointing a rocket launcher or whatever it is, a bazooka at them. Versus and saying a fly, yeah. He's going to blow them up. And, uh, and Belloc uh, looks up at him and goes, no, you won't. And and as he, he's giving this impassioned speech about history, this fly goes on his face and crawls into his mouth and he doesn't bat an eye uh he doesn't and they keep that take yeah I that's the that take so that spielberg much. wanted to use that is that is amazing i mean they must have that must have been so fortuitous and they realized yes we got that that we got to use that yeah. take. <laughs> and you can just see the actor begging him please don't use that well and also you know i mean i i i'm not sure i believe this but i Everybody says it's true, and I don't know if it's one of those apocryphal things, but apparently Nicolas Cage eating a cockroach right. in Vampire's Kiss. Kiss is an actual thing that happened, but I can't yeah, believe that. True. No. Why? What? Well, no, I why? think he – why do you think that's impossible? Very well, simple. who would eat a cockroach? Nicolas Cage would <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> think about who you're talking about. Are you crazy? Uh, all right. Kevin Klein ate all the fish in Fish Called Juan. No. These yeah, are... he did. This is, let's say, this is like what? Tom Cruise saying he does his own stunts. It's a publicity thing. It's not a stunt. There's no danger. Eating a fish and a cockroach? Ugh. Yeah. Do that. All right. It's like We're supposed those, to be eating insects. All those stories gross. about actors and actresses who really have sex on screen. Oh. You don't oh, see yeah, oh that's where you draw the line, Kelly Wand. That you don't believe. <laughs> Michael Douglas isn't having sex with Sharon Stone. And, uh, come on. He doesn't seem as into it as he would be. <laughs> All right. All right. Ahead, Are you Tom. guys ready? Right, so uh, next, you guys, next week we're going to see uh, Angel Has Fallen, <laughs> the third yeah. chapter in the Ger Gerard Butler Saving Things triptych. Uh, He's going to save something from falling again. You bet he is. So if you see that, and I know you're probably going to, if you haven't already, send your thoughts about Angel Has Fallen to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. you got to spell that out. Get that to us by August 2nd – no, September 2nd 
midnight Pacific, uh, and we'll read your comments. Otherwise, you've got a month to think about your favorite scenes of parents putting their children to bed. We're going to uh, do a three-by-three three on that on September 30th. Send us your uh, uh, send us those to 3x3. We did parenting. Yeah. No, this is specifically scenes where uh, kids are being tucked in, kids being put okay. to bed. Uh, send those to us to at 3x3 at quarter3.com by September 30th, midnight Pacific. We'll include those on the air. We'll be reminding you over the course of the month. Be thinking about those scenes. Uh, and then we'll be talking about Gerard Butler saving stuff next week. I'm Tom count. Chick. I'm, okay. uh, I'm sorry? Nothing. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Malinsky. Uh, it's Christian Morosky. That's exactly what I said. And Kelly Wand. Not enough people know what Lyme disease is and the dangers of being bitten by an insect. That was Gigi Hadid. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between counting. One, two, three, eat a Mosquito is the state bird of New Jersey. Andy Warhol. Um. Oh. I have no breath. Excuse me? Sorry, what? I have nowhere to go with this. It's too perfect. You are literally glowing. You've hit the level of perfection, and now I'm just... I've stole my heart. You've just come out of the water. You're fresh from the water. You're a mermaid. You're here. How are you so fucking shiny? Can you fetch me an inhaler? Because I can't breathe. Um, my Maybe. eyes. I'm physically ow, unable. Ow, I my just... eyes hurt so bad from your beauty. I... Um, excuse oh. me, ladies. Oh. There's a, Sorry. a party to get to. Uh, I want to see that again right now. So dope. When the bee comes to your house, let her have beer. You may want to visit the bee's house someday. Congo proverb.